Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, just your typical Spike. Uh, on the line with me, my good buddy, producer extraordinaire, executive producer, and a guy who's working overtime at the moment Moment because I'm calling from a phone. Cameron McCoy, friend, how you doing? Good, dude. I assume you're, you're, you're in the car. You probably beelined it down to Texas and are like dumpster diving now, right? Uh, yeah, uh, me, me and my boys, which by the way, have you ever been more confident of former co-host show co-host location, Dustin, <laughs> than you have as soon as you read that? He's like flying in, parachuting into the, <laughs> I think it is within the realm of possibility that he's looking at a place to rent near that <laughs> landfill. Yeah. I, I mean, odds are in your favor, man. <laughs> You might hear that someone thinks they're committed, quote, committed to finding those cards. No, no, no one would be nearly as committed as finding those cards as Dustin. I guarantee you that. It's true. Uh, do kind of a light week. I've got, we've got a couple news stories, a little bit of standard to talk about. Um, what have you been up to in the world of magic this week? Yeah. Uh, so this week, more standard um, playing, it, I guess I'm acquiescing to where standard is right now um <laughs> because like there's some like really fun interesting decks that i have played against like i i really think there's a proliferate a proliferate deck out there and if grixis didn't exist i think this would be the blue black sort of thing but you always have to kind of like you, you know we look at the card pools and you weigh things and it's like it's just bad not to be playing fable the mirror breaker like period like that is a wrong mm-hmm. choice if you're playing blue black you should be splashing red to get fable the mirror breaker for that value um so i feel like if they were to like just remove a couple key cards now from the format we would probably be in a, a better place as far as like diversity i don't know if the quality of the games would be much better but I feel like it would open the diversity where some of these like fringy tier two decks, like the one I'm playing, the prolifer- pro- the blue black prol- proliferate deck, um, you know, mono white to a certain extent. I think those would all kind of rise um, to kind of replace things. Um, but like I said, I don't know if that would make for a, actually a better standard. I just think it would make for a more diverse standard. Yeah, with blue white or mono white soldiers. Like, I get that technically it's a tier one deck, but there is no scenario in which I would actually play that deck mm-hmm. at <laughs> a tournament. So, and maybe that's just personal bias, but it does feel like the 1.5 um, tier, maybe. Whereas Grixis and Esper Legends feel so far above the mean, is how I would put it, that like, if you're really wanting to be spiky then you need to be playing those decks there's other there's like the blue red artifact control deck like there's a the tier two is about as wide as it possibly could be um but to your point tier one feels like two decks period right yeah um and while these other things are fine on paper really none of the decks that we're talking about can beat the really good grixis or really good esper legends draws and Specifically with Esper Legends, I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't know that there's been a mid-range deck 
in a while that like left unchecked will a hundred percent win the game. Like it is really, really, really intense. And and John kind of falls in that mid range too, but have you also been drafting at all or any playing explorer? Had you moved uh, on to anything else? I no. Like sadly this, this was like my incredibly busy week. There's like a confluence of like sports tournaments and like PBS does like pledge stuff. And so like, I've been just kind of swamped with that stuff. So, like, it's been a very light week for me as far as, like, playing. Um, but that being said, like, I, 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 I have been enjoying Standard, like, overall. I think, I think All Will Be One has really, really improved both constructed formats a lot. Like, I think it's actually made a splash in Explorer 2. Um, it's just Standard doesn't have those big money tournaments. <laughs> so the innovation that could be here or like the twist on Grixis uh, we're not going to see because there's no big money events that are pushing the top players to actually play them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cameron, I don't know if you know this, but there were bannings in legacy today. Did you know this? I heard some rumblings about a uh, expressive iteration, uh, but so I want you to go to daily MTG. I want to do this live on the air. I want you to go to daily MTG. There's two cards that were banned. One is Expressive Iteration, which you obviously know that it does. I want you to read the other one. <laughs> okay. And see if you can tell me why it's good. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I, I must be so far removed from <laughs> Legacy that I don't recognize this card. White Plume yeah. Adventurer. Mm-hmm. Orc Cleric 3-3. Three, three. When it enters the battlefield, you take the initiative. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, untap a creature you control. If you can, you've completed a dungeon, untap all creatures you control instead. Okay. <laughs> is, is this, I have no idea. Is this rampaging no Ferozidon 2.0? Like, <laughs> no. Mono white initiative is one of the best decks in Legacy. Um, I just, I think this is an indicator of how far removed. Like, keep in mind, Cameron, we're almost how many hundreds of episodes have we had? We are we you and I have played multiple competitive for money legacy events. And this card seems like absolute nonsense. <laughs> Seriously. Truly. It feels yeah. it feels like an AI wrote a magic card. <laughs> Chat GPT is right here. Yeah. So I have no idea why it's good. I looked at this thing for I don't know how long, hoping that I had missed something. But I honest to God feel like out of clean nowhere, I could show you a flesh and blood card and you would have a better understanding of what it does yeah. than what this card does. Man, this is perplexing. <laughs> Dear listener, yeah. if you know why, <laughs> I would like to know. <laughs> I, I would assume there's a way to go through a dungeon infinitely. Sure. Somehow you're, yeah, tapping creature. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure there's an ETB creature that, see, now we're starting to piece this together. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's an ETB creature that when it ETBs, you do one level of the dungeon. So with a Lurin, you can play it infinitely, right? Okay. So if it always bounces back. That okay. makes sense. Well, sure. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Anyway, um, that seems like still ridiculous to ban 
Yeah. <laughs> Legacy hey, book. Kudos to the Dungeons and Dragons set for, you know, doing this. I'm, I guess I'm impressed. It should also be said, Cameron, that this is not the Dungeons and Dragons set. It's the Commander Dungeons and Dragons set. Oh, uh, okay. So Initiative was not a part of that set. That or... makes yeah. I was gonna say I was not. I should have just reread that because I'm not familiar with what Initiative is. Really, um, neither am I. And and you know what? Uh, right now in this moment, I've gotten comfortable with the idea that I'll never know. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, darn, huh? <laughs> um, I also I have been drafting. I I finally put a bow. I ran out of gems. The hot streak had to end at some point. I've decided to never draft All Will Be One ever again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And and again, I know I, I'm kind of copy-pasting my thoughts from before, but it has got to be one of the worst draft experiences that Magic has ever made. And I, I think it's, it's uh, indicative of the hold that Magic has on me. That even though I was having a miserable time, as long as I was winning, I felt compelled that I had to keep pushing forward. Sure. Regardless of what it was doing to me, <laughs> which is um, alarming, I guess, a metaphor for the entire Magic the Gathering experience. I don't know. Take mm-hmm. your pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, like you, I think I've settled in. Like in standard, I'm playing Grixis or Esper Legends, just depending on kind of how the mood fits me i i wild carded those decks very very early on so i've kind of been able to supplement them pretty easily um and then uh i've drafted a touch and explore i'm playing um uh the uh indomitable creativity um decks uh or in ignomatic why can't we say words tonight right ignomatic yeah. incarceration <laughs> um just because it's fun i don't think it's tier one in that by any stretch of the imagination but i am really excited for shadows over innistrad remastered i'm gonna pour a ton of money into that and that just feels like that's just what the doctor ordered you know mm-hmm. like really digging into that set and i really hope they do do you remember when they did amaket remastered and they added like you know sphinx's rev sure, and collecting sure. company i think it would be really cool to get some other kind of explore staples in there like the Magic Origins Planeswalkers, I think would be kind of the most notable thing. Yeah. Um, but just to kind of round out what's going on, maybe they put in some Theros cards. Um, but Cameron, the kind of the crux of the thing, or the the main issue that we want to talk about tonight is the dump, right? <laughs> and. I, it's a hard thing to talk about without being really, really hyper cynical. So I'm going to try. But in case you're out there and you don't know, this Texas, uh, this this dude that went to a Texas landfill found like pallet to pallets of magic product sealed. And theories have abounded. But basically, this was not posted, I guess, on a magic Reddit. Like the dude posted it in kind of a, hey, I found all these. It, it made its way to magic Reddit. He found out that these cards were actually worth something, went back, and it was, you know, covered in tons of trash. So he only got a few things. But the the fact that there was Modern Horizons 2, Secret Layers, and Magic 30th Anniversary really speaks to the idea. Like, 
I, I some people have said, oh, maybe it was a store that went out of business or <laughs> a, a, a semi truck that got turned over or like this has to be stuff that was sitting in a distributor warehouse that was not selling. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's I, I, almost. <laughs> I mean, you know, we hear about like how Amazon space of plenty, they have to rotate that inventory and that stuff doesn't move. They're going to get rid of it. So, I mean, this could have, like you, to your point, been just sitting in an, a warehouse in, am, on Amazon property. We need to get rid of this. We need to move this inventory. Uh, unbeknownst to us, because this product is, you know, completely inflated, or they don't even know what the price is, it was actually cheaper to dump it than to hold on to it, which is just insane to think, if that's the case. Yeah, like, literal zero value, like, how many card shops would have bought that at half value or a third value? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, or whatever the margin that they wanted to get, like it's, it's unthinkable to me that this much stuff has, has clogged the channel, but we hear kind of from, um, you know, at the distributor level, that's when product doesn't move in magic, it's a real problem. It just sticks around at the warehouse. And to me, I always thought that meant that, oh, that's why we end up with boxes of Homelands that you could still find on eBay, right? <laughs> Is some stuff just doesn't sell and it just exists. It makes sense that, uh, this is going to sound like I'm vouching for Watsi, and that's certainly not the case. It makes sense that with secret layers, especially, that you would destroy what you don't sell because you have to print that, right, before you sell it, or at least you should, not that they always do. But and that you don't get rid of so much of it. It's meant to be a collector's item. You need to keep the collector price high. So off you go to the shredder or whatever. But the fact that this isn't even recycled, that it's just like in a landfill. And that nobody along the way was like, hey, aren't magic cards worth something? Yep. (laughs) All of that. It's just kind of incredible. It, it makes me sad on, I mean, just like seeing the pictures of like discarded, ruined, warped, water damaged, you know, <laughs> I didn't play Modern Horizons 2, but it bums me out to see some of that stuff just like sitting there and thinking like, man, somebody had a really sad night <laughs> if you were to see these on the street, right? So that, like, it just bums me out that like this product is, yeah, like you said, just not even recycled and like there was no perceived value of it and it was just dumped um, because got to make way for other inventory. And dude, think of the um, hashtag content you could make. If you found a pallet of magic 30, we would post videos of us lighting on fire. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So um, for the love of the game, you know what I'm saying, Cameron? (laughs) (laughs) But I, reading this was just really interesting because okay again i'm sorry for the obligatory flesh and blood talk but flesh and blood has like a real focus on the collectability of the cards as well right and they gave out a really high-end promo early in the game's life cycle and they said if you could the only way to get it was to go to these certain events well once they those events ended they actually made a video of them shredding these cards of the leftovers and people were super upset and they were like, look, this is us just honoring our promise. I think maybe it was a pretty big PR fumble, 
but I do think we have to acknowledge that like, you know, if you do want to make something collectible, you do have to make it scarce. Sometimes that scarcity is um, not real, right? Not honest. But I, I've also been told, like Cameron, for years and years that there's no overprinting and magic's doing better than it's ever done. You're an idiot for ever thinking that them uh, getting rid of competitive play was a bad idea. They're going to make so much more money on Commander, yada, yada, yada. I've never been able to square that math. I've never been able to make sense of that because commander players don't need to buy new product and they certainly don't need four copies of every card from a new set. So what is happening to this excessive product? Well, now we know, right? Um, If competitive players are a quote, small percentage, that's fine. But we're also buying many more times the product than a casual player. And no one seems to have like actually explained this to me in a meaningful way. But this this dump gate, as I'm deciding to call it, um, really makes a lot of sense now, mm-hmm. right? I just can't for, wait for the day when somebody just like stumbles in like a storage shed, like a pallet full of alpha, beta, you know, revised even, anything like that. It'll happen one of these you, days, I'm sure. Did you know that happened to Steve Wozniak? No. Yeah, he got given a bunch of magic, like, stuff. And then, like, he ended up opening it for charity because he's, like, a super cajillionaire already. Sure. Um, But, yeah, I I think that was the exact situation that happened to him. It was given to him. He put it in storage. And then, whoopsie. Guy just bleeds money. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Must be rough. Must be rough. Genius. The, the well, most well-respected member of that whole Apple thing. Pretty nice. Absolutely. Pretty nice to be him. All right, Cameron. So because we're in the car, we've been doing like no show notes. So I have no idea what extra thing you want to talk about tonight. So I know you've been working like crazy. What else you been up to? Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, I've been so inspired by replaying Metroid Prime Remastered on the switch Mm -hmm. that I had to go back and remember Metroid prime Two echoes why that one didn't sit well with me. Um, it's because it's flipping impossible. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've passed the game and whatnot, but like, I can't get over like just replaying that. And I just have the GameCube version from whenever that was 2003 or whenever it came out. Um, it's an incredibly difficult game. It's like the Mega Man 2. It, it just, like, the difficulty scale is so absurd compared to um, that first Metroid um, that just kind of sours the taste of the whole franchise as a whole. Because overall, it's still it's a remarkably well-made game. The art design, graphics, audio, all of that stuff is still there. Um, but it's just like that difficulty just kind of sours everything so anyway i've just been kind of dipping my toe back into that and just kind of re-exploring all these other metroid games because i really do think by e3 time we'll probably get an announcement like our actual gameplay footage of this new metroid prime 4 that's supposedly supposed to be coming out so um very much looking forward to that this is still like one of my favorite franchises um for video games and um I, I love revisiting these games just because they're just like little capsules of like such well-made, 
well-structured, you know, nuggets of, of game history. Did you see that uh, Metroid Prime Fusion is out on Switch Online? I did not see that. That's awesome. I'll have to go check it out. I guess it's not Prime. It's just Metroid Fusion, Metroid Fusion, yeah. The the Game Boy Advance one, I think. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Because, well, and I've kind of lost track, but there's like tiers with the Switch Online, and I don't know what is available in what tiers, but... They made a big hullabaloo about Metroid Fusion coming out on it. Okay. So, um, Cameron, what do you know about Wo Long? Nothing. All right. So this is the team that that did Neo and Neo 2. They have a new game. It's on PC, PS5, and Xbox. And it is a Souls-like. I'm just going to warn you right now, Cameron, the PC version supposedly runs like absolute garbage okay so you might want to wait a minute for that to get modded out but if neo is team ninja doing dark souls wolong is team ninja doing sekiro there is a so it's based on romance of the three kingdoms which is a you know famous like historical literature thing from uh from china um i think i have a very basic understanding of it but i guess it's kind of like the iliad you know, it's like lots of named characters, story of a okay. war, that kind of thing. And, um, but this game is structured a lot like Neo. Like, there is an insanely deep customization to it, um, to the point where you have to watch a fight in cowboy video or two to just even understand how the customization works. Um, their take on the Souls genre is very, very, very fast action, because obviously these are the Ninja Gaiden people. Um, but also the loot level is kind of like Diablo where you'll get, Hmm. you know, 20 pieces of loot through a level and it's like super customizable how you build your character way past any of the souls games. That being said, the story is very poorly translated and told. I gave it about three cutscenes, and now I skip every single one. Okay. Um, and the systems are, I mean, very convoluted, but they've done the whole thing where, where they've done the Sekiro thing is it's very parry focused and you use your parries in kind of a even more interesting way than Sekiro. Um, it's not as good of a game as Sekiro, which I think is, I mean, I think a top five game of all time. Like I think it is a masterpiece, mm-hmm. like a masterpiece, but it is a really good uh companion piece to that and it's i think a better game than neo 2 it's kind of funny you were mentioning metroid uh prime 2 neo 2 has a very similar problem and the neo 1 is great neo 2 is kind of into that zone of this is a little bit too too difficult too much Mm -hmm. they peel this back however team ninja is kind of infamous for making their first boss really difficult i don't know if you remember this from the first neo um but they've done that here too. The first boss is more difficult than the next four or five that I've had to fight against. Sure. You know, so they really want you to get over that hump. They also have every level you have at least one uh, companion that's an AI companion. Um, and you can also play the whole game in co-op. So I think it's a little bit friendlier on that level. Um, so I would say it's a little linear, a little more digestible than Elden Ring. So if you're looking for a Souls game that's maybe more in line with Sekiro, um, then I would definitely check this out. It is really cool. It plays like a dream. Hmm. Um, but it's kind of, 
I don't know that I've ever gotten over Sekiro, Cameron. I know everyone's talking about Elden Ring. My, my perspective is this, is Sekiro is kind of Led Zeppelin 3, and Elden Ring is Led Zeppelin 4. That is a you know? perfect analogy. <laughs> uh, every, everybody's got a copy of Led Zeppelin 4. It's a great album. It's bombastic. It's wonderful. But really, when you're by yourself and you really want to like enjoy an album and like really connect with something, you're going to listen to Led Zeppelin 3, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is great. <laughs> I feel like I can go really deep down the rabbit hole of this analogy. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, track by track, this is where Sekiro ranks in the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, you know, it's bad when it's like I had to put myself through Sekiro, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like I really need to play that again. You know, so. Oh, it's so good, man! It is, it is a masterpiece. Yeah. So anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk to you about the detailed history of the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, where could they find you? That's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at Spike P. We'll check you guys next week.